It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Child Care of Iron Girl podcast. Jeff Johnson coming to you live from Oak Haven along the Gulf Coast, coming to you from the wilds of Minnesota. Kristen Peterson, how you doing? Oh Kristen? hey, oh so good. I I, I got we got a couple things. We're gonna get into some 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 questions that your followers came up with for us to talk about. Uh, we were gonna mm-hmm. do that the last time we were together, but we we, get there. we got distracted. We did we had our own stuff to talk about. Uh, two things before we get into that though. Um, one, I was a hero on the beach this morning, and two, we need a squirrel update, a baby squirrel Ooh. update. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. which one of those shall we do first? What's your hero story? Okay, so Tasha and I were out for a, a sunrise run on the beach. I've made that my new thing, a morning a morning mm-hmm. run while the sun is coming up. Um, cool. Every morning, it, it, like, it's like uh, two weeks now, a little bit, a little more than two weeks. I've done it every day. Tasha comes with me once in a while, and we're running along. And then, then in the sand near the, near the, uh, near the beach, I see a, a black skimmer, and he's just sitting there on the beach. You know what a black skimmer is? No. Okay, so it's a it's a it's a beach bird. They're mostly black, but they get a got a little bit of, of white up front. It's kind of kind of penguinly coloring. They've got these long they long these long beach beaks, and the way they feed is they kind of skim along the water, and then they open up those long beaks that have been skim stuff up. But this guy, this guy's just sitting there on the beach, and uh, and he's not moving, and they they don't usually uh-huh. let you get close to him. And he he sees me, and he's kind of like. Hey, hey, buddy! Things aren't going so good for me," he says to me, oh. and uh, and I look, and it looks like his his feet. He's sitting in some debris on the beach. His like like his feet are are are, are tangled up, maybe. And uh, but he's got this this beak. The beak is like four, five, six inches long, and he's he's swinging yeah. that around like a like a, a musketeer swinging his sword. <laughs> and uh, and and so I, I I thought maybe, and so I told Tasha maybe maybe I'll grab him and and you can see what's going on with his maybe his tootsies are are tied up in something and something and so that was the plan but but his 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 scary beak was swinging around so much i just kind of i just kind of poop pooped him a little <laughs> bit on the side and uh and nudged him and they could see that that his, his feet were i don't know if it was fishing line or what that his his, his feet were tangled in so but i was able to to, to reach under and, and pull some stuff and then i uh, booped him again and it could see his feet were clear Aww. and then and then we left him um because I mean, he doesn't need us standing there staring at him. So uh, when I'm on on my afternoon 
beach hiatus. I'm going to check and see if he's he's still there or if he he flew away. But I think we I think his toes his tootsies were tangled up, and I think we I think he'll be okay. You booked him, and then his feet came untangled. Yeah, yeah, we got the stuff. It looked like there, there's some, some like blue but, fibery stuff. I think so. I think he's, I think he's gonna be okay. Oh, um, good. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking hero. Um, yeah. So speaking of heroes, you, yeah, you I know nursed, I am too. Yeah. So if, look, here at the child care bar and grill, we're all heroes. So what's up with the, uh, the squirrel? <laughs> uh, uh, what is it? Four or five episodes that are, are back in our history of recording together. You, yeah. you talked about uh, your, your the little new squirrel. housemate, the squirrel. So what happened? Uh, um, Stan, he, so. My friend found him on her driveway screeching when he was probably about five weeks old. His eyes and had just opened. Like, how's, how's that sound? Screeching. I don't, I can't recreate it. There, okay. Sounds have very, squirrels have very diverse sounds. Uh-huh. Was it they, sad? Yeah. Like, screech, where's my mom? Screech. Screech. Yeah. Something like that. So, yeah. Anyway, we got him because he, I've raised squirrels before and I know what I'm doing. So, um, we raised him and we actually, um, he lived in our house for a few weeks and then he started to smell really bad. So I moved him outside and we have like this little tiny screen porch thing off the front of my garage or the back of my garage in our backyard. And, um, my oldest son crew went and got a whole bunch of branches that had fallen from different storms that we had collected on the side of our yard. And so he put all of those branches into the screen porch so that it would look like, a squirrel jungle in there uh-huh. and we had him in there until he was ready to be released at 12 weeks and so at 11 weeks this was just a couple weeks ago we started opening the screen door and then we would play with him out in the yard so we've learned a lot about like how squirrels play and squirrels are like super rough and tumble players i don't know if you've ever like watched them or been able to see a squirrel like engage in oh. rough and tumble play but oh sure he, chase himself chase chasing each other through the branches oh and grabbing each other and grappling yeah. yeah oh he like so he does that with our hands he'll like rough mm-hmm. and tumble play with our hands like he craves it it's like one of his like most innate like animalistic instincts is to try to like rough so um, anyhow, we would like go sit in the yard and he would run out of the screen porch and he would like wrestle with our hands and then he would run back into the screen porch and then he would run out. So we did that for like a week just to kind of get him acclimated. Out. Were you wearing squirrel costumes? Do you have an inflatable no. squirrel costume that you could wear? No, Or we a, don't. a cuddly, but... uh, you should you should really work on getting a, a, if you're gonna do this in the future, you should really work on getting yourself a, a cuddly mama squirrel costume that you can snuggle I with. Uh-huh. I should, that that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we just like decided to leave the screen port. So at 12 weeks, they're ready to go out into the wild, the wild of our backyard in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so we just left the screen door open and like left it cracked open and left all of his stuff in there. And he, we would still feed him. So we would leave food in there for him and he would come back and then we would go out in the morning. Sometimes he'd be there. He had slept there overnight and then he'll go out and adventure during the day. And, uh, um, now we don't really know where he sleeps, but two yesterday, two days ago, we were, two of my kids were up playing in the treehouse, and he came down and visited. So he saw them playing, came down, was sitting on the tree and Knox noticed him in the tree and went over and like put his hand out and Stan jumped on his hand and like rough and tumbled play. And he was around, he played for with us for like two hours that day in the treehouse, just running around and 
jumping on our shoulders and jumping back in the tree. And then yesterday I went out and I called his name a whole bunch of times, a few different times throughout the day and I didn't find him. But the thing I wonder is, is like, if he's out in public, in public beyond our yard, like if he sees a human, is he going to like run up to them and run up their leg? Because he's And like, then get beat with somebody's, some I old lady's know. walker or something. I ah, know. A rapid, a rapid, a rapid, a rapid squirrel. squirrel. I know. So I feel like he is timid enough where, and he knows our smell. So he mm-hmm. like knows it's us, but I, because of the way that he was sitting in the tree and Knox had to like actually put his hand out. I feel like maybe he's a little bit leery of other people. So that's good. Now, can you, as he grows and, and look, my experience is squirrels look a lot alike. Yeah. So it did, did, yeah, did you, did you tattoo no. him or anything? Nope. Does he, did you give him a little bracelet some way that no. when he's full grown, you're going to be able to, to identify him as, as your buddy Stan? So he's already full grown. They're full grown oh, okay. at like 10 weeks. So they look like an adult squirrel at 10 weeks. So, so so the, the squirrel that came down and, and hung out the, at the treehouse could have been a squirrel you raised three years ago. Yeah, but we didn't live in this house three years ago. Well, so I mean, was... but if they know your smell, I mean, squirrels yeah, get maybe. around. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, there you go, listeners. Anybody who's mm-hmm. looking for a stand update, listeners, mm-hmm. if you have, uh, have 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 saved a creature on the beach or or nursed a baby squirrel back to life or or been a hero in any other way, call and leave us a voicemail at 228-363-6737 and tell us about it. Um, yeah. We want to celebrate all the child care bar and grill heroes that are out there in the world. Um, so we got some questions you your 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 followers on the social media put together. Um, yeah. Let me see. I thought we'd go through a couple of these. Um, I don't know what some of them mean. I don't, um, I didn't either. Um, how do you influence your much older assistant mm. to learn, to lean towards more play-based activity? Um, so I imagine like Ms. Debbie in that, like you're trying to in- get yeah. Ms. Debbie on board with play. So first thing I think um, I would try to avoid doing is call referring to them as your much older assistant, <laughs> um, because I think that, look, it's it's all about building bridges. And I think referring to your your much older assistant as your much older assistant, even if they indeed are much older and your assistant might be not might not be a step in the, the right direction. I think the way. uh way uh uh brett recorded that referred to it a couple a couple months ago when i was recording with her as your your seasoned co-workers Mm. um i I don't i don't know if that even is 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 right but but and 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 look i don't don't know if it's always an age thing but yeah, you're experienced. You're maybe your your mal experience or your misexperienced coworkers because if they're yeah. if they've been around for a long time and 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 look, it's it's really hard because if is this older is this much older um, assistant somebody that's been in the field for for thirty five years and they're not play based or is this somebody that just got the job uh, three weeks ago yeah. and doesn't have any early learning experience because uh, because that plays a plays a part in it so. I mean, what what would your approach be, Kristen? You've had, you've okay. had staff and <clears throat> dealt with things like this. Uh, yeah. So, well, okay. When I was teaching in like a traditional program, um, the teacher that worked opposite me, so she was mornings and I was afternoons, 
she claimed to be play-based, but then like her definition of play was kind of like, if it's fun, it's play. Um, so, but what I ended up doing was just like quitting and starting my whole own program, but not everybody has the capacity to do that. So, um, and then when I opened my own program, I opened it as a full-on play-based program. So there was definitely, um, like that was our philosophy in the program that I was in. So it was much easier because it was just a given, like that's, this is how we do things here. So um, getting other people on board. I mean, really it comes down to, they have fear about something or maybe just lack of knowledge because of the trajectory their life took and, and what they've learned and what they haven't learned. And maybe they just haven't come across play in a way that makes sense to them. Um, or they could believe in play, but they have, but they have a fear of what the parents want. This is what the admin wants. This is how it's always been done. This is how the teacher downloads. This is easy. Like there's a fear of change or fear of um, not doing what other people think you should be doing. So in order to like combat fear, you have to have knowledge, right? So how do we get them knowledge in a way that's not like, I know all the things and this is how it should be done. How can you gently guide them um, to be willing to learn? It, really what it comes, it, it comes down to the fear, but then also the willingness to just think of things differently or... Um, learn new information, reflect on your old practices, because it's going to bring up a lot of the change from like traditional to play-based. It can bring up a lot of like feelings of like, oh my gosh, I've been doing it this way for so long. I may have been doing a disservice to children and to, to face that um, can be really uncomfortable. So we have to work through that. How are we going to work through that, Jeff? Like so, what's the process? Put that into a look, process. I mean, like like everything, everything involved in early learning, it's about it's about relationships. And so whether whether this coworker who's not on board with with play-based learning or play-based activities is is a much older assistant or a much younger director. Uh, it's it's about relationships, and so yeah. part of the part of the job for for bringing them on board or influencing them in a positive way, I think, is is to focus on that relationship, and you you want to make that relationship as 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 friendly as possible. Because look, if if you see them as an adversary, you're going to immediately put a wall between you and that other person. Yeah. And so looking for looking for similarities, looking for things that you can agree on and and using those as a as a jumping off place is is I think a good a good starting point. Then moving beyond that, I think it's important to to put on your really, really cool Sherlock Holmes investigative hat and get out your maybe your magnifying glass and do do some investigating to to find out exactly why this person is taking the stance they are 
on whatever you're, whenever you're dealing with, um, because all that emotional thing, all the the emotional things you just talked about, Kristen, that that's information that you can collect. Why, Mm -hmm. why is, why is Betty adverse to rough and tumble play or mud play or, or process art or whatever it is. And, and, and so you do that, that investigation, because again, that, that information can help, help lead to solutions. And then once you, once you've done a little bit of that, you can maybe start taking, taking baby steps. Cause I'm, I'm guessing Betty isn't going to no no matter how friendly you are with her or, or, or how much you understand where she's coming from, she's not going to change overnight. So maybe you can come up with, I recorded with, uh, with Nicole recently, we talked about, or no, Lisa recently, um, we talked about the idea of of doing demonstration pro- projects in a program. And so instead of say and changing the the way the whole program um, does something, you change things in one classroom or you change things for one block of time. And so maybe maybe you're trying Great to get idea. this much older assistant into. Um, uh, rough and tumble play. And instead of having rough and tumble play all day long, whenever the kids want it, maybe you set rough and tumble time up on Friday afternoon for the last part of the day so that, so that Betty can see that this is, this is something that we can do safely. And, right. and maybe after that happens for two or three months, every Friday afternoon and nobody breaks an arm and, uh, and nobody dies, Betty sees that, Hey, maybe this is a, maybe this is a thing that I could, I could ease my way into. Um, and then you start offering it maybe instead of just on Friday afternoons, maybe it's something you offer every afternoon at the, at the end of the day to the kids who want to want to be engaged in rough and tumble play. And, and and that kind of eases this other person into, into the new thing would be a couple of thoughts I have on it. Or like, I know that product art versus process art can be a huge shift for many people. So to go from like craft projects um, why, like, why not just start with a table that's dedicated just to process art? You can still have that craft, but have a table set up where children can engage in process art. Sure. And, and, like and maybe you, you don't start out with the hot glue guns and the scissors yeah. and the hole punches and all of that all at the same time. Maybe in, in the art area, maybe you just put the, the, some paper and some uh, Crayola markers on the table yeah. and those are always there because if they've always been up on the shelf, just, just that little, that tiny little change of taking them off the shelf and putting them on the table and, and seeing how that goes is, is a whole lot less scary than transforming that art area yeah. into, into something this person might be, might be um, having a lot of, a lot of anxiety or fear or, or repulsion against. It's, it's just that right. tiny little baby step towards, um, towards, towards a change. Ooh, I like that idea of the demonstration projects that you and Lisa yeah. talked about. That's yeah, because cool. because because I mean, back in the day when and and what I talked when I when I brought up to Lisa the the example was back in the day um, Edison invented his light bulb and other electrical stuff, and he thought that the world should be wired for electricity, but he didn't go wire New York City to start with. He yeah. he went to England and a tiny little area of of London. They they lit up a couple buildings with a with a little electrical generator, and people were like. Ooh, and they 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 experimented and they learned from it and that worked. And then they went to New York City and they they lit up 
a couple city blocks. Every 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 building, every apartment, every house in that area was lit up, and and so people saw that, and it, and it worked. And then they started rolling it out bigger and bigger mm-hmm. um, across the country. And now there's electricity in a lot of places in the world now, <laughs> but because they they demonstrated that that it wasn't going to kill you to have an outlet yeah. in the wall and have an overhead light and that kind of stuff. And so so these people who are who are new to an idea, these demonstrations are, are great ways to to ease into it. Love that. And then uh, along those same lines, um, this is what I recorded with uh, Nicole recently about. Um, so maybe that episode came before this one, and maybe it comes after this maybe one. I don't know. Um, don't know. But but the the idea of the the p- perfect solution fallacy, and the perfect solution fallacy is the idea that that we often reject courses of action or ideas because they're not perfect solutions to what we're dealing with. There yeah. will there will never be a perfect solution yeah. for getting Betty, your older um uh, stuck in her ways assistant to embrace things. What you can uh, what you're, there's always going to be trade-offs. So so waiting around until you can come up with the perfect solution before you start doing anything isn't isn't going to lead to anything being done. You've got to you've got to take action and and move forward because there there will never be a perfect solution to that thing no you just like totally packaged that up all nicely gave people some good tips well i am a trained podcaster and there have been <laughs> you are there have been there have been over 900 <laughs> fucking episodes of the show so it's it's about time i get a coherent sentence out um <laughs> but then on the other on the other hand um it, the 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 it was phrased with how you get a much older assistant. Look, if they're an assistant, tell them fuck what to do and then <laughs> hold their feet to the fire and expect them to do it. You're I right. Mean, if, I get a, if you get an assistant and they're they're not assisting, uh, fuck them and <laughs> and replace their ass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, couldn't you do that? Right. I mean. I mean, I mean, seriously, that, that could be a thing if they if they are an assistant, um, then that that does imply that you're at least half a half a step above above them on the on the rung of of power in the in the classroom, and you can just tell them what the what the hell to do. Yeah, you can. And 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 I say that jokingly. And I think there are because everybody in early learning is warm and fuzzy and we don't want to make waves. There are a lot of people in these classroom situations who do have assistants who they who they treat as as equals and they they worry about offending them and they worry about about not being in agreement and 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 look again it's all about relationships, relationships. and the social emotional yep. side of things but but there are ways that you can you can communicate with an assistant that hey this is the way things need to be done here yeah with without making it unpleasant or and and then fuck if it is unpleasant for them they i mean get rid of them well right um, I okay, so I founded my oh crap. Um, Kristen, I think you can still hear me. Uh, my my earbuds just died. Um, no, I can hear you. I lost my speaker, so I can't hear you anymore. Um, Oh, no. Um, so let me okay, talk again. Um, hello, can you hear me? I, oh, I can hear you a little bit because apparently my speakers over to other speakers. So, um, okay, yeah, can I tell you a little story? Yeah, tell me a story. Okay. So, well, it's not really a story. Um, 
so I founded a program, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago. And I hired, I've chose like handpicked all my staff and, um, brought them with me and all of them came from very traditional programs. And we were all learning about play as I was creating this program and the whole entire foundation of the program is all on play. So we had a lot of like learning and reflecting to do as a team. And the, some of the team that I built, I took from, um, the program that I was in and one of the teachers I took from another traditional program in in the same town. And then one of them was my fam, um, my kids' daycare provider who wasn't going to be doing in-home childcare anymore. And she came on too. So, um, the cool thing is, is that because I spent a lot of time building relationships with these people and, and it wasn't as I like, I don't want to say I saw them as, okay. Mm, I treated them as equals mm-hmm. and that's kind of counteract like counter countering what you said earlier about like, they're your assistant, like tell them what to do. Um, but I really feel like because I had relationships with these people, every single one of them still works there to this day. Like mm-hmm. I retained the staff that I brought on board all of those years because I and then had abandoned them. I know I did and stole one to bring with me. I have one of them as my employee now. She's like works for me. And so she doesn't work there anymore, but um, they all, they were all there the whole entire time. Like none of them ever left. And then I brought on another one a few years later, she's still there. And I really do feel like it's because I built a foundation for the team based on relationships. Like, sure. They didn't, they weren't afraid of me because I was their boss and telling them what to do all the time. They cherish the relationship that we had, have. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it, it all comes back to relationships too. It, well, and a piece of that is also consistency because you brought people on board and you let them know, oh, this is how things are going to be here. Exactly. And that's how things will be here. This is why I, I'm currently obsessed with policies and procedures. Hey, listeners, I need a copy of your policy oh and God. procedures. Hey, for, for hey, you listeners that have sent me your policies and procedures, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it, but I need more. So uh, you can get a hold of me through the, uh, the show notes if you want to send me a PDF of your policies and procedures. You can also, uh, you know, you, if, if you want to mail me a hard copy, you could do that, but that seems like a lot more work. But yeah. but anyway, um, if a program has a consistent philosophy where everybody on the staff knows that philosophy, then this problem that, that this person is having with this much older assistant shouldn't exist because everybody should have the same philosophy, or at least even if your personal philosophy is a little bit different, you you work in a program where this is the philosophy here, yeah. and so this is what we need to do. And so one thing programs that are struggling with with this in their classrooms can do is have um, a, 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 a thoughtful set of policies and procedures and mission statement and program philosophy yes. and make sure that all of their their whole team is on the same page because if if that was happening in this program this person wouldn't have this problem with this assistant right and the problem is most programs don't have consistent policies no. and procedures and expectations for their classrooms. So this is a this is a huge problem that that comes up all of the time and that we've talked 
talked about a bazillion times on this podcast, but it, it's something that keeps coming up because it is, is, a, is a very real issue um, individuals who want to make change struggle with. So, you know, mm. taking those baby steps with that person that's an individual, but then also trying to get the, the whole program on the same page is, is really the only way those changes can be made, made. And, and look, if your program doesn't have that consistency, those demonstration projects is a step in that direction because it yeah. gives you a chance to practice. Okay, this thing works here. Now, how can we expand that to the whole program? And then how do we write a policy and a set of procedures that, that kind of codifies that into how we do things here? And so mm. it's a it's a big fucking process. But yeah. but listeners, I'm working on I'm working on tools <clears throat> to help along with making that happen on the Playvolution HQ site. So uh so click over there if you're looking for things. Okay. And piggybacking off of this is just a little bit, now that I'm thinking about it, like I was just at a giant conference in Alabama speaking and they were all, I mean, the majority, 90% of the people there were working in public schools, in public school, preschool programs. And I wonder if it's the public, I mean, the public schools don't have these policies and procedures. I don't like, I, I had them raise their hand if they had an actual, like, book or poli like policies and procedures book mission statement like all of that if any of their programs there was one person in that mm -hmm. whole audience of 200 people who raised their hand that they have an actual handbook like it, to follow that has like the philosophies written out of like what we do here and why we do it and here's our mission here's our vision and this is like when this then that none of yeah. the rest of them had that because yeah. public schools don't necessarily have that and so i wonder if this is i mean this problem is probably so much more prevalent in traditional traditionally run or um public programs and i mean it's like the people who branch off from that who realize all those holes are the ones who are creating the I mean, even like Montessori has like there's a whole entire set of like, this is how we do things or um, Reggio Emilia influence programs have a whole set of like, this is how we do things or yeah, you got you've got to be in, you've got to be in the Reggio Emilia area of of of, uh, of, of Italy to be. That's why I said to, to influence. Be, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's why there will be future hundred plus episodes of our, of the, uh, the policy procedure um, series within this show that, that Carol and I have started on. Um, well, we got to one of those questions. Um, we did. So yeah. Yay for us. Any final we thoughts before we wrap it up? No, Nope. Uh, is your, I mean, I'm sure you I have, have a lot, but like, it, no. is your, is your, is your, is your assistant a much older assistant? No, nope. She's a couple she's, years younger than me. She's a she's a slightly younger assistant. I yeah. I couldn't I couldn't handle having an assistant because that's that's just uh, that would be that that would be too much human interaction for me. Um, <laughs> that's why, that's why it's just me and the dogs. Um, <laughs> hey, listeners, uh, reach out via the voicemail. It's in the show notes or via email. It's in the show notes. If you have questions or comments or concerns, love to hear from you. Love the voicemails because then we can we can plop your audio yeah. into the show, and I think that would be fun. And again, if you're playing a child care and bar and grill drinking game and you get blotto after after binging a bunch of episodes, uh, please 
peace. I want drunk voicemails. Um, it would make me, it, nothing would make me happier. Well, mm -hmm. there are things that would make me happier, but um, that would make me oh my delighted. Gosh, I, it can't would, wait I, I would be, I would be time. tickled. I would be tickled. Um, what's your social media, Kristen? Kristen RB, Kristen dot RB dot Peterson on Instagram. And then the website is Kristen RB Peterson dot com. There you go. That's where you go if you need more Kristen in your life. And if mm -hmm. you want her to come and yap at you in person, this yeah. is for the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye. Did we make it through that one without talking about poop? I think so. I think so. Well, shit. Now I'm going to leave I this know. part in. <laughs> shit. There. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.